Good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. Children, great job. And if you are in kindergarten on down, you may go downstairs. Um, we have time for you down there where you can play and get to know others and also learn about Jesus as well. So this morning, as we are coming into this time of Christmas, as we are approaching that next week, we, we want to take this and, and talk about the gospel. Now you might say, how does the gospel relate to Christmas exactly? You know, Christmas is all about Jesus' birth, right? Well, to understand, Tim Keller says, to understand Christmas is to understand basic Christianity, that is, the gospel. So this morning, that's where we're at. We're going to be in Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 17. When you find that, put your finger there. You're also going to flip over to uh, first, uh, actually 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. All right, so we're going to be in two different places this morning. But both places you're going to find that Paul talks about not being ashamed of the gospel. So when you find it, I ask you to stand, please, in the honor and the reading of God's word this morning. Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is, wit is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but, it, but was hindered until now, that I may have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I'm a debtor to both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Listen, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then also in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. Here's what the word of the Lord says there. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of, the, of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the, for the gospel according to the power of God, who has, saved, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I, what I have committed unto him against that day. And may the Lord have the blessing to the reading of his word. Let's join our hearts in prayer at this time. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house this morning. Lord, we thank you for the message that you've laid on my heart today, Lord, that 
um, I may speak it to, to the people here and also to those watching online as well. God be with us this morning as we study your word, as we learn about not being ashamed of the gospel, especially in this Christmas season, as we hopefully share the gospel with others, tell others about Jesus um, and that he is the reason for this Christmas season. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son. Thank you for Jesus Christ, for dying on the cross and rising from the grave. In Jesus' name we pray. We love you. Amen. You may have a seat. So we see that the gospel is the result of Christmas. The gospel is God's power for salvation. We see that first in Romans chapter 1, flipping back there, in verses 16 through 17. See, Paul had written a letter to the church at Rome. He had not visited them, was not able to visit them, but he wrote them a letter. And he says, I want to come visit you, all right? And he goes on and says that as much as in me is, he's saying, here's what, I would like, here's what I want to do when I visit you. I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. See, power has an innate desire to be, people have an innate desire to be changed. They want to look better, feel better, have more money, have more power, have more influence. We see this in advertising, that people want to change something in some way, and the job of the advertiser is to convince that person that they need this product in order to be changed in order to change whatever it is they want different in their life. Look at all the hearing-assisted devices that are advertised on television. I don't know if you've seen those or not. I have seen a lot of them lately. I don't know why. But you always see these, right? And the whole, the whole premise of it is that all of a sudden now, you don't have to turn the TV way up loud, and your partner's saying to you, please turn that thing down. I don't need it that loud. The whole premise of it is you can watch TV without having it cranked up real loud and annoying everybody else in the house. So... The whole idea, and there's one even that advertises a phone that if you have a hard time hearing, it advertises a phone that will transcribe everything someone else is saying on the other line and that you can see what they're saying, all right? So it, it's this idea that they want this change. They want better hearing. So they've come up with all these devices. Now, granted, they do have some pros that they're cheaper than hearing aids, but there's some cons too that... It doesn't, it doesn't put it to where your hearing loss is. It doesn't adjust it at all, all right? So we see that, that the Bible, here's where the change comes. The Bible makes it clear that men cannot be spiritually changed or saved by good works. There's nothing they could say like, oh, if I do this, I'll be saved or anything. It's not about our works. It's not by just going to church. It's not by a ritual or any other means that we try to do Men cannot be saved even by keeping God's own law, which was given to show men their helplessness to meet his standards in their own power. The law was not given to save men, but to reveal their sin and thus drive men to God's saving grace. John MacArthur said that. So you see, there's power in the gospel of Christ. There's salvation also, he talks about here. Paul uses salvation... Some 19 times, five of them in Romans. And he uses the corresponding verb 29 times and eight of them in Romans. The basic idea behind the term is that of deliverance or rescue. And the point here is that the power of God in salvation rescues people from the ultimate penalty of sin 
which is eternal separation from God. So there's two, there's two terms here. There's salvation, and then there's faith he talks about also. Now, these two terms can kind of be interchangeable, and I'm not going to go too deep into it because I will in the next point. But Paul says multiple times that saving faith is about belief and not about behavior. He says it here too. He says it's about your belief, not about your good works. He says it also in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's not about your works. If it was about your works, you'd boast in what you did. you say, look what I did to earn my salvation. But he says it's not about your works. Do you notice when Paul states he's not ashamed of the gospel, he goes on to explain in Romans 1 and also in 2 Timothy 1 what the gospel is. He does so in this passage. Um, we'll see it also in 2 Timothy as well. And I'm going to define salvation more when I define the gospel in the next point. All those who believe may be saved, but only those who truly believe. So we have power. He mentions salvation. He mentions faith. And lastly, in verse 17, he talks about righteousness. He says, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, the question is, which way is this worded? All right. Is this that, that the righteous shall, the just shall live by faith? Or that uh, by faith, but is it, let's try this again. Is the question this, whether the righteous will live by, by faith will live or the righteous will live by faith? Which way is it? Well, both could be true. Both could be true. But first, to answer this question, we need to understand where this comes from. It's a direct quote from Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. He's quoting, Paul is quoting directly here in verse 17 of Romans chapter 1. He says, but the just shall live by his faith. So both could be true that the righteous by faith will live and the righteous will live by faith. Both could be true. Righteousness and life are both by faith. Those who are righteous by faith also live by faith. There is also an emphasis here on this continuity of faith. It's not this one-time act or anything like that, but it's a way of life. The true believer is made righteous, will live in faith all his life. Sometimes this is called the perseverance of the saints. That's a doctrinal issue, and that's one that we as Baptists believe, by the way. Um, Or sometimes we call it once saved, always saved, right? We believe that once you come to know Christ, there's nothing that you can do to take that salvation away because there's nothing you did to earn that salvation necessarily. It's not about works. So we see that there's power, there's salvation, there's faith, and there's righteousness. That's in Romans chapter 1 and verses 16 and 17. Then we flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verses 8 through 10. As I talked about the gospel, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Listen, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We come to what is the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 8 through 10. The character of salvation is mentioned. Salvation involves the redemption of the whole man and is offered freely to all who accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who by his own blood obtained eternal redemption for the believer. In the broadest sense, salvation includes regeneration. This is from our Baptist faith and message. They define salvation, I think, in a great way. And they define it in four terms. Salvation includes this, regeneration, justification, 
sanctification and glorification. You're like, whoa, that's a, that's a lot. That's loaded. We're going to unpack that. All right? We're going to unpack that. You see, there's no salvation apart from personal faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. It starts with justification. Justification is God's gracious and full acquittal upon principles of his righteousness of all sinners who repent and believe in Christ. It's all about repentance. It's all about forgiveness. Justification brings the believer into a relationship of peace and favor with God. That's the first part. Then there's the, care, the source of salvation. Paul makes it clear that the source of our salvation is not in our own works. Regeneration, that's our next term, all right? Regeneration or new birth is a work of God's grace whereby believers become new creatures in Christ Jesus. It is a change of heart by the Holy Spirit through conviction of sin to which the sinner responds to in repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith are inseparable. In other words, you can't separate them. Repentance and faith go together. Repentance is a genuine turning from our sin toward God. So it's turning away from and turning toward God. Faith is the acceptance of Jesus Christ and commitment of the entire personality to him as Lord and Savior. Next, we have the ground of salvation. So there are two words here in the ground of salvation. Our last two, sanctification and glorification. Sanctification is the experience that begins in regeneration. We've talked about that, right? Turning away from, turning toward. Regeneration, by which the believer is set apart to God's purposes. It is enabled to progress toward moral and spiritual maturity through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in him. In other words, this is, this is where growth happens. This is where spiritual growth happens, all right? We have justification and forgiveness of our sins. Sanctification, talking about repentance, turning away from, turning toward Christ. And then accepting him in sanctification. That's where we start to grow. That's where he's already drawn us. He's already, we've already had the Holy Spirit working on our heart, all right? And we've accepted him. Now this is where we grow, in sanctification. So it's the experience beginning with regeneration by which a believer is set apart for God's purposes. Growth in grace should continue throughout the person's life. Glorification is the culmination, meaning like the adding up of salvation and is the final blessed and abiding state of the redeemed. Our next part we have then is our duty in relation to the gospel. So we've seen what the gospel is. We've seen the power in the gospel. Now we see our duty in relation to the gospel of Christ. And that's in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. But I'm going to back up and read 8 through 10 first, just to give us the context again as where we're at. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel. Catch that. According to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Verse 10, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
to which I was appointed a preacher, apostle, and teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. As I was driving home on Friday from Columbia, my mom had knee surgery, so pray for her, by the way. Pray for my dad also. He's helping to take care of her, and so am I. Uh, but as I was driving home from Columbia on Friday, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts uh, from the Rural Pastor Podcast. Now, that's by two guys, Andy Addis. He is a pastor in Hutchison, Kansas, of a big multi-site rural church, which, by the way, that's a rarity in and of itself, all right, being that they are a rural church and have multi-sites. Some are satellite sites, some are, which be video, some are sites where guys will preach at least twice um, every month, so they have them do that, and other times we'll stream the service from the main campus, but he, he has a huge multi-site rural church. He's in a rural community doing this. I think that's amazing. The other one is Mark Clifton. He's part of that podcast as well, and he's in Linwood, Kansas. He, started, he helped with the church, kind of became their interim, and then became their pastor, and when they started, they had like five people or so, and now are running about 50 or so, or 80, something like that. But I mean, they have grown big time in a town of 400. Um, let me say this, they're a very small community, and we're very excited when a Dollar General came into town, all right? That's how small they are, okay? So, um, comparable really to our new Bloomfield to the north of us. But here's what they said. They were talking about, about rural pastors and whether to have church next week on Christmas Day which I just find it interesting. I mean, I may not be a rural pastor right now, but I just find it interesting the things they talk about, the encouragement they give to guys that are in churches that are honestly 50 or less at least. So I find it interesting the encouragement they give and all that and some of their topics they talk about as well and through the things they struggle with and deal with on a daily basis um, as a, most of them as bivocational pastors. But in the middle of the podcast, they had a quote from Charles Spurgeon and said, suppose a number of persons were to take, in, take it into their heads that they had to defend a lion, full-grown king of beasts. There he is in the cage, and here come all the soldiers of the army to fight for him. Well, I su suggest to them that they would not object and feel, feel that it was humbling to them that they should kindly stand back and open the door and let the lion out. I believe that would be the best way of defending him for he would take care of himself, and the best apology, he says, for the gospel is simply to let it out. That is, to share the gospel. So we have a duty to communicate the gospel of Christ. Since I've already explained what the gospel is, it's now imperative on us. It's a must, meaning we must proclaim the gospel. Paul calls himself an apostle, a preacher, and a teacher. He uses these words in, in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 7. You can check that later. There are no apostles of Christ today since there is no other gospel. There can be no new gospel. So although there are no apostles today, there certainly are preachers, that's proclaiming the gospel, and teachers explaining the gospel. The apostles formulated the gospels. Preachers proclaimed the gospel as we have today. And teachers instruct people in their doctrines and ethical implications from a life that's been changed by the gospel. So we have a duty to communicate the gospel. We could do it through preaching. We could do it through teaching. We could do it through forming relationships with other people and share the gospel with them. 
That's the key, is to share the gospel with them. It's not just through living your life as a Christian, not just through living for Christ, but it's also explaining what Christ has done in your life so that there's no confusion of just living a good life or living like a Christian, but there's a life change that has to happen first. That's why we live differently. That's why we don't live like the world. So we have a duty to communicate the gospel We also have a duty to suffer for the gospel. And this is where some people jump off board and say, "Ah, I don't want any part of that. But we have a duty to suffer for the gospel. You notice that Paul suffered for the gospel. He suffered for the gospel. What is the reason for the link between suffering and the gospel? What is there about the gospel which men hate and oppose and on account of which those who preach it have to suffer? Why do people that preach the gospel have to suffer? In other words, Jesus said in John 15 and verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. In other words, if you live for me, if you preach the gospel, the world is going to hate that. They're going to turn against that. Paul is saying here that I suffer because I'm an apostle, a preacher, and a teacher of the gospel. Listen, if we are communicating the gospel as we should... We can expect we will suffer. We also have a duty to guard the gospel. Lastly, to guard the gospel. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. You know, we sing these words in a hymn. And the hymn is, I know whom I have believed. It was written by Daniel Daniel W. Whittle, if I can say his name right, in 1883. These 25 words are repeated in all five verses. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, I know Christ and I am sure of my salvation. Paul is saying, I am saved and I am confident I will not lose salvation in Christ. So our first duty is to communicate the gospel, to use old ways and seek fresh ways of making it known throughout the whole world. If we do so, we will suffer for it. For listen, the authentic gospel, the gospel of Christ has never been popular. It's a message that will divide. But above all, we are called to guard the gospel, keeping it pure, whatever the cost, and preserving it against every corruption. Guard it faithfully, spread it actively, and suffer for it bravely this morning you may be here today and say i've never heard the gospel before this may be your first time to ever hear it this may be your first time to ever learn that it's not about what you did it did do it's about what he did on the cross it's not about our works it's not about what i'm doing i'm here today in church you know it's not like i can oh check that off the box oh i gave my tithe in december i can check that off the box so i was baptized when i was in seventh grade i can check that off the box It's not about a list. It's not a laundry list of things that we do. It's about what Jesus Christ came and did on that cross over 2,000 years ago. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, this invitation is open to you today. Today may be a day that may change your life forever. And if God is drawing you today, come forward this morning. Don't put it off anymore. Come forward today and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you watch, your life will change. Things may still be difficult. It's probably going to be. I'm not going to tell you that 
if someone's an alcoholic, they come to know Jesus, they're somehow no longer an alcoholic. No, they're no, they may still be an alcoholic, but they have Jesus. There's a big difference. Big difference in that. Today, you may say, I want to come forward. I want to join this church. I've been coming for a long time, and I'd like to join. I want to be part of this community of Summit Community Church. I want to be part of what God is doing here. I want to be part of this growing work, of this new work. It's funny. I, I had said today, this morning, we met in the back. I said, you know, we, could, we can do things different for invitation. I mean, we could have people stand up front. We can have people stand in the back. We can do whatever we want. I was like, we're a new church, you know? We're not, like, we're not having people saying, well, we've never done it that way before. We can't do it that way. You know, we don't have that here. We're newer. We could try things out, and that's okay, right? But anyway, I don't know why I even said that, but moving on. So this morning, if you want to join Summit, you'll find a great church family. You'll find a, people that love the Lord with all their heart. I've watched us grow spiritually. I'm watching us getting, getting to watch us grow numerically. It's wonderful to see, and I'm telling you, you will love it here uh, it is a fun-loving group, and it is a group that loves Jesus, no doubt about that. And then thoroughly this morning, you may be here this morning and say, God's really been working on my heart about ministry. Maybe God's here, maybe you're here saying, God's really working on my heart about ministry. I don't know what it is, and maybe it's not preaching, and that's okay if it's not. Maybe it's telling others about Jesus. Maybe it's simply um, finding ways you can work for Christ in your own job. Maybe it's, it's someone you can reach in your family. Maybe it's something that it's not necessarily a vocational ministry, but maybe it's something you could do volunteer basis. So this morning, whatever it is, whatever God's doing, doing on your heart today, I ask you to come forward if he's dealing with you. Just talk, talk with Pastor Brett. He'll be in the back. I'll be off to the side here. All right, talk to one of us. We'll pray with you. We'll be happy to do that. We'll be happy to talk with you this morning if God's working on your heart today. We're going to have a time of invitation, but first I'm going to pray. And I ask you to go ahead and stand at this time.